Hello and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short controlled bursts. I'm John Engel. And I'm Scott Corelli. And today we are discussing Minute 125, which begins with a massive explosion that should probably kill anyone who is near it and ends with LV-426 igniting into a massive ball of fiery death. Uh, it's more bad writing for you to read. Sorry about that. I was getting tired when I wrote this. I was pretty late at night. And you didn't Sorry use my that. album to write to it. Clearly. I did not. No, I was. Oh, I should have. Good good call. Yeah. I should have said. Also, I should have said this minute opens with a shot of a coiled wire hanging from a. Because we still have that right at the beginning. More accurate. But. This is the. This is like the longest nuclear explosion I've ever seen. Uh, well, it's hearkening back to the old uh, alien, you know, like at the end of Alien, uh, we see a nuclear explosion that happens three times. Yeah. So, uh, so it's kind of a callback, I guess. But first, at the beginning of this minute, though, once they're on board the dropship, they cut away to a really big explosion. Uh, considering the scale of the model that we're seeing that's exploded and everything. Where is this happening and how is it not killing everyone or at least not blowing up, like throwing the dropship off, you know, the side of that platform or something. That's just like a crazy explosion to be happening that to show us and then have see zero effect that's having on the people. Yeah. I don't mean, I don't, I don't have an explanation for you, John. No, I know. Yeah. Well, it's weird. It's weird because minutes ago, a couple of weeks ago or last week, there's an ex- they, they cut away to one of these shots of the miniature and an explosion, and it immediately cuts to the interior of Ripley being thrown off by the explosion. Like it kind of comes through the side of this corridor she's in, and she's like thrown to her side a little bit. And like I mentioned, you know, let's talk about Star Wars some more. I mentioned how in the Death Star attack, how when Luke shoots the surface of the Death Star, it cuts to the interior and it blows up, and a bunch of stormtroopers are thrown around, and it's a very similar thing. So we've established this concept of explosion outside of the of the structure causes some sort of effect inside the structure. Well, now we have Ripley outside of the structure. Explosion happens outside of the structure. has no effect. Like, does it, why show it if you're not going to show how it affects the characters? That's my question. I, I guess it's just a bad cut or I don't know. They needed to cut away to something so they showed an explosion. But I think at this point we're well aware the place is blowing up. And if you're going to show me something with the char- characters, intercut with the characters, show me how it affects the characters. I don't know. I just think it's a very strange explosion to show us. Anyway, I guess that's just the, that's just my problem. I, I, it actually it it actually sound like been better uh, placed, I think, after Ripley gets on and is like, uh, you know, her, her she's like walking up toward the, I don't know what you would call that, the bridge or whatever, the cockpit, um, sort of like walking toward the cockpit. And then you cut to this shot of the, of the drop ship sort of getting like, you know, kind of shaken to the side. If you had put that explosion between those two shots, it would have made more sense. I feel like, because then you would be like, Oh, yeah. I see the explosion happened. And that caused the jump ship to sort of get, push just aside and back onto the platform. And then it has to drag away and spoilers. That's how the queen gets on it. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, you're right. I think it's just, it would have been fine. Had it been places as having some kind of effect on something, but in this case it doesn't. Oh, well, (laughs) this whole minute 
is just I can't pay attention to anything except the music. Yeah, the music's a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot to take in. Also, it makes me forget what movie I'm watching. Uh-huh. I'm really I'm like, <laughs> oh, by the end of it, I'm like, and now we're jumping into hyperspace. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um <laughs> Really, though. Well, there's yeah, there's certainly an element of yeah. Sorry. Yeah, just a, it's an, it's more lower brass moments. It's more you know the orchestra climbing as the ship gets ready to climb, mm-hmm. and as the camera pans up, it's you know it's very on the nose film scoring, um, which works sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't work here. I'm just very much all I can think of is what it sounds like. You know, it sounds mm-hmm. like Star Wars. Just to be honest, yeah. But what it really sounds like is Mars from Holtz, the planets, which I'm sure you've heard a lot. Okay, is that the song I'm thinking of? Is that um, dun 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 dun? Well, is that because I hear that little melody in there that sounds like dun 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 dun? <laughs> you know what I'm talking sure about? What you're I I don't know how else. Yeah. Well. Oh, great. I just well, did the most embarrassing thing and nobody got it. That's <laughs> okay. I, I mentioned the blurred lines earlier. Um, <laughs> no, uh, Holtz has like a whole suite called the planets and it's like Jupiter, Mars, blah, blah. Uh-huh. So the Mars one is right. the beat. First of all, it's that triplet snare thing that kind of evokes a march that, you know, Star Wars does okay. a lot when it's depicting the empire. Da, da, da. That's from Mars, um, and Williams is mm-hmm. accused of ripping off this too. I mean, a lot of modern film mm-hmm. composers are inspired by Holtz, the planets, um, and it's the moment where the brass goes. It's a cadence, okay? It's really hard to explain. It's like do do do. That was so embarrassing too. Um, okay, just <laughs> to. Listen to the piece. It's called Mars from the Planets by Holst, H-O-L-S-T. And then watch this minute and you'll be like, whoa, mm-hmm. holy shit. Yeah, I was I was so, definitely yes. hearing, uh, I think the 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 piece of uh, of John Williams you were alluding to, um, I definitely, yes. this, this piece definitely feels a lot like um, the moment in Star Wars right as you know, the Death Star is about to, uh, you know, fire up their weapon as Luke hits the, you know, hits the torpedo into the exhaust port. And it's just like that dun, 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 like that. That's what this reminds me of a lot. Um, so now I know that that Uh what it should be reminding me of is this Mars thing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it makes sense why they would do it. In Star Wars, it's like the triplets and the snare drums always, they give you the military march vibe. Um, and the fact that it's like all the instruments in unison doing it at the same time mm-hmm. um, rather than them being interwoven makes it stand out even more. And also kind of in Star Wars, it works because it's sort of like military. They're all in line. They're all you know, part of one mission and one goal, it's the military, you know, so it makes sense that they're all in unison or they're all in octaves. And then they'll even keep doubling and tripling the octave to add on more emphasis. And so it's doing that same thing here, which is, I I don't have feelings about it because it just happens a lot. So I can't even hate on it because it works. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but it's just funny. It's just interesting how these musical tropes develop and spread and it's because they work and clearly it must evoke something because this, this piece, this is what Bishop's countdown on the soundtrack. Um, it's used in so many trailers. It's used in so many trailers. This moment it's in from dusk till dawn. Yeah. It's a minority Report. It's in, um, aliens. It's in alien three. It's in Dante's peak, the abyss hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. Like this piece of music is used in so many trailers because it kind of encapsulates that crescendo. It's that, you know, dramatic mm-hmm. thing. So it has a life beyond this scene now and beyond Holtz and beyond Williams. It's just a thing now. Mm-hmm. So in 2017 or beyond, if you were, when you do that in the movie, you're kind of like, oh yeah, you're doing that thing, that common, that common trope. Yeah. You're doing that common thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was a long soapbox, oh, but that is all I can no, hear. No, it's great. Yeah, and even the strings, even the string ostinatos, which is like, okay, an ostinato is just when a, a musical phrase is just repeated ad nauseum. It reminds me of Night on Bald Mountain by Mazorsky. It's it's in Fantasia. It's in the movie Fantasia. It's it's played on like Halloween a lot. You would you definitely know the piece. It's like anyway. You just need to look it up. Very reminiscent of that too. It's like putting in all the tropes at once. Well, so silence. I no, I just can't possibly add anything to everything that you said. You're you're kind of speaking over my head a little bit, but I I think I know what you what you're what you're talking about as far as sort of like these you know repeated motifs and these this sort of the styles I guess of moments like this in movies. I think it's telling that we've talked about the third act of Star Wars so much while talking about the third act of Aliens. It just keeps coming up in different contexts, you know. And it makes you kind of wonder, you know, uh, and rightfully so, whether James Cameron was like, we need to get some of that. Let's bottle up, let's bottle up some of that lightning. And then James Horner, or knowing full well how he works, you know, at least early in his career, again, how he borrows from himself, how he borrows from other people. Like you said, Christine, how he uh, literally quotes that piece of music at the beginning yeah. of the movie, which is also an homage to 2001, because yes, uh-huh. that piece of music is used yeah. in that movie. And um, you could see him going, okay, we're short on time. I'm going to be efficient here and I'm just going to borrow, you know, elements and what movie worked the best totally. <laughs> third act sci-fi adventure you can't, movie. You can't hate I'm going to borrow it. from it. And yeah. it's no, I don't hate them at all. I love it. I yeah. think it's actually this moment where the dropship is ascending away and you're getting that dun, 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 and it makes you think about, you know, Luke about to fire those mm-hmm. torpedoes. That's a great feeling to have right now. Why not? <laughs> it There's is, no reason you shouldn't, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you can borrow a feeling as, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Millhouse's dad did in the Simpsons, you know, <laughs> you just, <laughs> sorry, that was a weird Simpsons joke, but can I borrow <laughs> like, a feeling? Like sure off, you though, can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, if you can, if you can find it and, and it's not too on the nose, too blatant. Yeah. Use it. Why not? If it worked that time, use it now. Um, if you can come up with something absolutely brilliant that works too, it's all your own. Great. But if you're working on a clock, like, you know, James Horner's like writing sheets of music as movie, as film is coming out of the edit moviola as they're trying to do it all at the same time. 
do what you got to do to make the movie work. It's all in service of the movie in the end. Uh, it's not about, oh, I wrote the greatest score for this movie. Yeah. It's about, I scored a great movie. Yes. So, so yes. yeah. And that is important because the score's job is to serve the film, not to be itself the best thing ever. It's all for the purpose of the project or, you know, it's too much ego. Otherwise that's yeah. yeah. Um, and also just, he did his job, which mm-hmm. was to get it done at that point. So props. Mm-hmm. He just, he got it done. Uh, that, that all being said, all these star Wars comparisons, um, I do want to bring it back to alien if we can, because, oh, uh, the I'm thing sorry. that, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but I, I will say that, uh, the thing that has always struck me with this movie is how it tried, it, it, it has spent this entire movie trying to be a very different kind of movie only for at this moment it becomes alien again, just with more people um, because it's it sort of paced a lot like alien in that you have all of this buildup. She gets into the escape pod. You think everything's fine only to find out that no, actually you're not fine. Um, no. And that's sort of, it, it's interesting that, you know, uh, on, on top of like everything that he, uh, that Cameron was trying to do to sort of make this a very different movie, he still looked at Alien and was like, well, but that bit on the, on the pod really worked out well. I really liked that fake out ending and, uh, you know, having sort of like a secondary almost epilogue act three, like just like a bonus act three. Um, and and yeah, he's just sort of reusing it here. And it should be really obvious that that's what's about to happen because literally any any director, any editor worth their salt would have absolutely cut back to the you know alien mother if she was going to be there. Uh, you know, if the queen was being destroyed on the planet with everything else, you would have cut back to her. And that's you don't. Good point. Yeah. yeah. And and you don't. And so because you don't. Everyone should know watching this. Oh yeah, no, she's definitely on the ship for sure, hundred percent. That's interesting, but I think that it, I think that people didn't think that. I think yeah. it was a. I think it was a legit surprise. I think probably because of the um, degree of difficulty. So in Alien, thinking back, it's like, oh, well, it totally makes sense that that alien just snuck onto the escape pod. It was just down the hall. It was through a door. Mm-hmm. Like that could have happened. We wouldn't have assumed the surprise came, but we wouldn't assume that it would have that instinct. Um, in this case, it's like, how the hell would that thing get on the ship? There's just no watching this moment in this minute where the ship gets snagged on the, on the uh, bit of, you know, debris. Uh, I don't think anybody's going, Oh, that's a perfect opportunity to jump on a ship right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the queen's going to do that. I don't think anybody was thinking that. So, the thought was, there's no way, there's no way that that thing got on. We saw the ladder. They got on the ladder. They pulled up the ladder. The, how would it get on there? And so I think it was a, a, enough of a degree of difficulty increase that people couldn't have just gone there right away. Mm-hmm. But then in hindsight, you're like, of course, it's a movie. Of course, they're going to figure out a way to do this. And they're doing it beat by beat, pacing it, like you're saying, exactly the same way. How did I not notice this? How did I not guess this? So it's a great bit of filmmaking because yeah. it was a real, it was a real, uh, you know, it was kind of a magic trick mm-hmm. that they pulled. They did the exact same thing in the sequel that they did in the first movie, right. and it still surprised everybody. And it's and that's not a you know me me pointing this out is certainly not a criticism. I mean, I in fact it's it's me you know kind of 
I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm winking at, at, at James Cameron and being like, ah, you did know you were making an alien sequel. Like, you know, um, cause yep. there's so much here where he's really yeah, going yeah. against the grain. And then finally he just like, but at the end of the day, I am making an alien sequel. And so I want to, I yeah. want to play on those beats a little bit. Do you, do you know if other alternates were filmed? Alternate. I've endings? never heard. I would say no, because so much went into this ending. Yeah. Now we're not there yet, but uh, I don't want to talk too much about it because it's later minutes, but so much went into pulling off the effects and the, and the shot of Bishop, um, the, the, it, there's oh, yeah. just no way they were fully committed, you know? Gotcha. I mean, in a way you would think they would want to have one on the side just in case that effect never worked because it was a tricky effect. I guess it took them eight days or so to shoot that one oh, shot wow. of him being ripped in half. So uh, I'll probably say that again later, but uh, I would think that that would mean that they were pretty committed to that ending, <laughs> but you know, what if that wouldn't have worked? Who knows? Like, I yeah. guess that's part of it. They were by the seat of their pants on this movie in a lot of ways. So, um, so yeah, but yeah, I, I'm with you. Yeah. He did. You know, the movie starts with, uh, it, it, he's making an alien sequel for the first 10 minutes or so of the movie. Like, okay, it's paced kind of the same. It feels kind of the same. And yeah. then he goes enough of that. I got to, you know, uh, going all the way back to, you know, pointing out as soon as you see that rifle flying through space, you know, you're not in an alien movie anymore. You're well, not in Ridley Scott's world anymore. You're in James Cameron's world. And from then on, he goes all out. And then here, you're right, Scott, he kind of goes back. Um, let's go back and make an alien sequel again. And then I'm going to Cameron it up. Right. <laughs> you know, the whole secondary third act is a huge James Cameron it's, movie. It's sort um, of, the way it plays uh, out. It's sort of this old screenplay structure of, you know, thesis, antithesis, synthesis, you know, your, your, your thesis yeah. in act one is alien. His antithesis is mm -hmm. James Cameron's alien. <laughs> um, and then, and then he synthesizes the two by, you know, taking Ridley Scott's alien and uh, putting, throwing his uh, James Cameron flavor in there. Yep. You know what? You're right on the money. And I, and I'll tell you that would have, what the, the, that idea in screenwriting would have been prevalent probably at the time. And he was a very new screenwriter. <laughs> so huh. you could speculate that he was just following, following a formula. Mm -hmm. Uh, like maybe he read, uh, uh, not McKee, but, uh, I always forget that other guy's name. McKee's really the only screenwriting writer that I, uh, story is my favorite of those kind of books, but there were other guys at the, at the time that were known as, you know, these oh, screenwriting gurus learn how to write a screenplay from this guy. And, uh, that would have been in one of those books probably. So that it could have been like the save the cat mm -hmm. of the time, you know, where it's like, Oh, follow this formula and you can't go wrong. And you know, it works really well. And if you're making a big budget, sci-fi adventure epic pop popcorn movie mm -hmm. yeah go for it you should and he still surprises you he's formulaic and yet he still surprises you in a lot of ways so um well done james cameron on this screenplay it's, it's still the best screenplay he ever oh, wrote yeah. in my opinion uh, i'm trying to think of what other screenplays he's written i mean the terminator i don't know the terminator's awfully good anyway <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to go there um I don't know. What else do we got for this minute? I mean, have we even well, talked about over, the minute? I have, some overall, I have some overall thoughts about aliens because I can't decide, right. like as, an, as a relative newbie, I can't decide what the undercurrent of a message of it might be. Um, and you've probably talked about this a lot before maybe, but I don't know. Is this whole franchise and movie supposed to be like a, a super bleak, 
cautionary tale, like skeptical take on space exploration. Like, oh, it's a warning sign mm. for decades to come. That's like one read that I'm getting from it. Another is like, or is it just that they're really painting aliens or the other as something really primitive and uncivilized and dangerous, kind of like how in the US we think of others? Mm. Or is it like a radical mm. cautionary tale of nationalistic arrogance and colonization? Sort of like, hmm, maybe we're not the most, maybe we really shouldn't mess with other countries and planets. Maybe we're not always going to be welcome. Like, what do you freaking expect? I, 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 Why would we I expect think, places well, we try to come? I think the problem with, with a reading like that is because every movie has a different author, every every author has a different interpretation. At, at In some cases, the director True. and the writer have two completely different interpretations. Look at uh, Alien Resurrection. Um, so I, I don't know. It's it's uh, It's a little iffy, I think, especially after once you get past this movie, it gets really... I yeah I don't even I couldn't even begin to tell you what the other movies are about at yeah. that point. But when it first uh, came out, were people like, "Oh wow, it's it really is saying that." Sort of like when I don't know anything comes out, Zootopia, people are like, "Oh, that's really commenting on this mm-hmm. thing right now." Was there any of that? Yeah, I, well, Zootopia in particular is a very clear allegory. Yeah, like yeah. that that went straight up an <laughs> allegory. Where True. there's but allegorical there are, there are elements of this. What's that? There are more subtle movies though, too, where people will, you know, make sure. a comparison. So what, yeah. Tell me what it was like. Um, well, to me, like, I'm not sure if Alien had any of that, the original one. I, I To me, when I watch Alien, I don't really get um, much of a social commentary at all outside of uh, blue collar, you know, the relationships between blue collar workers, the truckers in space kind of thing. I don't know if it's making a giant, there's a little bit of a, uh, of a caste system, I guess, uh, with the bonus situation. Ah, well, tell us, let's talk about the bonus situation. You get a little upper class, lower class, um, um, uh, rules of the game kind of thing. The aliens though, is much more on like surface allegory about Vietnam. I think oh. I, I, I certainly think that a lot of people got that. We've talked about that a lot on the show. I think people got that at the time, especially because it was fresher in everybody's consciousness at the time. Certainly James Cameron was thinking that. And there's just so much to be said about the arrogant, like overly armed uh, soldiers going into uh, going onto the turf of the other uh, of the other, as you put it. Yeah. And getting their ass kicked. And uh, I think that there's a lot of that to this movie. I'm not sure if it's the overall meaning of the movie. Yeah. You know, I think that really it's it's Ripley's story. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's certainly there though. Uh, allegorically speaking, I, I hasten to even start talking about, I, I think, you know, with alien resurrections, super obvious because it's, well, don't try to bottle this thing. Don't try to m- make this thing into your own technology or anything like that, you know? Um, so there's that alien three. I don't even want to step on that one. <laughs> the, I, I don't know. Does anybody? I um, <laughs> Alien Three is clearly there's there's definitely gender politics going on in Alien oh, yeah. Three, but I I kind of don't want to step on it because I'm right. not sure what it's trying to say or whether it was really trying to say anything. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not I, I even. Really I'm creepy. not even saying that this had to be intentional. <laughs> just like if it was, yeah. Just if it was tapping into just a zeitgeist that wasn't even intentional, or if people just immediately read it as something. But yeah. 
In, well, interesting. I, mean, yeah, I, I, don't I haven't. Know. I didn't know about the Vietnam War thing, so I didn't know that people even sure. thought that. Yeah, that one's that one's that's been some good conversation on the show. You cool. know, the Vietnam stuff is very, it's very much there, and it's very. I think it's well handled. You know, I think that they're kind of showing it how it was. Uh, and, and aliens and and Cameron had some you know family members that gave him some secondhand information about that, and, and he grew up in that era. You know, so. Oh, oh, okay. um, but you know, to me, yeah, it's that's a really tough. I feel like I should have an answer, a better answer, but yeah. maybe it's maybe there isn't uh, a big over over. I think you might uh, certainly the authorship issue, Scott, is on the on the money. Like we're going to get a different set of values from each filmmaker, so it's hard to say integrate it all into one big piece. But it's a good question. I think this one we'll throw. Let's throw this one out to the listeners, uh, folks. If you have any, if you have a good answer for this, like uh, Mitch Bryan, for instance, my former co-host, might have a good answer for this uh, on the Facebook page. Maybe we can get a discussion going there. But sorry, I feel like I'm hemming and hawing trying to come up with an answer that I no, don't have. I'm curious to hear what people think. I'm sure a lot of people have a take on it. So, oh sure, I, I'd love to hear all the takes on it. Um, sure. So. Cool. Well, that's that's a pretty good way to end it. I mean, I suppose there's there's a little bit more. I don't know. Is there more to talk about? There's kind of not. Never mind. Uh, I think the only thing I was going to say is we already discussed a little bit about the the mm-hmm. landing gear getting caught on the debris. I was going to point out that that's another one of those moments with the uh, the thrill yeah. ride mm-hmm. of the movie. As <laughs> yeah. far as you're creating a, a thrill ride of a film, you got to just keep. It's almost like you've got to throw as many hangups in there as possible despite this being a moment where the the you know a practical moment where the queen is getting on the ship it's also like oh can we squeeze right. one more moment of suspense in here can we have this one more moment where we think they're not going to make it uh it, it's funny because there could be two or three more moments that got cut out you know but you gotta it's that finding that when you're doing the thrill ride you gotta have all the turns right not too many turns and not too few and it's this yeah. seems to be one of those where they thought we got one more left in us. Let's let's have one I more moment where they think they're the not going to make it. Too. So, uh, I will let- um, with all of the sort of practical explosions and everything um, in the miniatures or whatever going through, uh, I think that's it's really oh, yeah. really well done. I think I love that. Oh, it's a nice like yeah. one of our last little Blade Runner shots where you get that uh, such good miniature work in this movie. So I really hope this future ride includes that coil. It's very important. I, I, oh, I think that when you get on the ride, you right just put a coil in front of your face. Um. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It hangs, First you have they a hand you a kid and then yeah. they give you a coil. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little like a visor <laughs> that just has a coil hanging from the end of it. Just just so it's always in your hands. shot. It's always in your frame. Always there. Yeah. yeah, when you get at the end, when you get the like, oh, you can buy a picture of yourself on the red for five dollars. It's always in the frame <laughs> with coil. Oh gosh, we need to end this. <laughs> All right, well, we're gonna make this happen. I'm gonna get on the. Who would license this thing? Disney or Universal or yeah? Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> Chrysanthi, you want to tell everyone one last time where they can find you online? Yes, you can find me at chrysanthitan.com, chrysanthitan at all social media, or just look my music up on iTunes or Spotify. And Scott? Uh, you can find everything I do at duelinggenre.com. You can follow me on all social media at Scott Corelli. And currently, you can find me going through Shaun of the Dead one minute at a time at, Corn- at uh, the Cornetto Minute. And you can find us at alienminute.com on Instagram at Alien Minute Pod or on oh sorry, on Instagram at Alien Minute Podcast or on Twitter at Alien Minute Pod. Um, 
Big shout out to Alex and Pete over at Star Wars Minute. Uh, thanks again, guys, for loaning us out this concept. And you can actually hear our uh, guest host, Chrysanthi Tan, on that very podcast. As a matter of fact, this very week, she was also on Star Wars Minute. I was saving it for the end because I didn't want people to turn the channel, you know, so to speak. <laughs> uh, but no, you could go over. Chrysanthi was on this week on Star Wars Minute talking about uh, Revenge of the Sith, a movie she probably like really likes or something. I don't know. Love, 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 love. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, they're they're probably I probably won't be on this this season on Star Wars Minute just because Chris Anthony's like, hey, make sure you don't get that Ingle guy back on. I don't want him yeah, talking yeah, sure. about Sith. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure that's the only reason. Uh, anyway, so thanks, guys. Uh, go over and listen, folks. If you if you like Star Wars, we've been talking about it enough on our show this week. Uh, you must like it a little bit. I'm sure people uh, are confused about what show this is. Anyway, like, wait, am I on? What are the cho- yeah people that are listening to you on both uh, in the same week? You're like, wait, what's <laughs> yeah. going on? Uh, so, well, same happened with when Pete was on. We talked about star wars almost as much as aliens so anyway um yeah folks so if you've never listened to star wars minute go over and listen to it you uh if you like star wars at all it's it's a great show so um all right well that's gonna do it for minute 125 we'll see you next week for minute 126